Good morning and greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's been a blessing to be in the assembly here today. It's been a blessing to be back in Minnesota this last week, although we didn't have a chance to see too many of you during the week. So it's, it's good to be here. If I'm a little, uh, I don't know what today, uh, please forgive me. Since I woke up this morning, I found out I became grandpa again, and uh, so that makes our youngest a daddy. Jade and Irina have a little girl since this morning, so so that uh, is a special answer to prayer in our lives as well. <clears throat> We're still looking at First Peter. I guess I don't come back home enough to to finish this up. And uh, last time when I was here, we looked at what it is like to be a stranger and a pilgrim out of First Peter chapter two, and why we are strangers and pilgrims, and. Uh, what that does to our relationship to people, other people that are around us, the society that is around us. Because we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, all these things that makes, that separates us from others. This morning I'd like to look at how does a Christian now relate to society out of 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 17. Very practical, very down to earth. Peter just says this is this is what Christian living is is all about. This this is how we live when we are children of God. He says first of all, beginning of verse 13. Submit yourselves therefore to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and yet and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We did talk last time of how foreigners should act and how they should not act. How to treat others and when we are the visitor when we're not at home. And we have to remember that what Peter is writing here under God's direction is the Christian is the foreigner. He's on foreign soil. How do we act toward specific groups of people that are around us? And I like to just use the verbs that are used here is this is how this is what our not just our action this is what our attitude needs to be. And the first attitude that the Christian has 
is to be submissive. He starts out with submit. Now, it would be easy to submit if submission was just something that you did once in a while because this is what you have to do. It's a whole different thing when, when submission becomes a way of life. That submission is just the normal response because of the condition of the heart. That's a whole different thing. The word submit means to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a leader. It's to rank yourself under. That's what the term means. To put yourself into an attitude of submission, of subordination. And I understand the word here is used in middle voice, which means it's something you do willingly. It's not something that you do because you have to. It's something, it's, it's a, an attitude of heart, that you may create and maintain that just leads you to obedience and submission. It's a voluntary, deliberate choice. Submit. And it says, the recipients of this submission is to every ordinance of man. The human institutions and the human laws that are there we give respect to, we give obedience to. The institutions of an ordered society, the structures in society that God has validated in, his, in principle, the God who is ultimate in authority, whether that be family, whether that be vocation, whether that be church, whether that be state. Submit be in subjection to anything that has authority over you. It's interesting that we live in a, in a, in a world of people and, and in a society that appreciates submission from everybody else except from oneself. We appreciate its display in everybody else's behavior and their lifestyle. But do we have a clear understanding of how I need to be in response to authority? And it says we're to do this for the Lord's sake. Now, why should I submit to groups, to others, for the Lord's sake? True, we know we're supposed to submit to God. I mean, He's in charge. He He's the ruler. He is ultimate authority. But it says, we are to submit for the sake of God. For the sake of the Lord. Why? Because we recognize that these institutions, these ordinances, have their, their founding origin in God. That's where they start. Authority is not something that's been man-made, man-created, man-designed. It's something that God has done. Now, that doesn't mean that God is always, does always approve how authorities operate. But authority is a, a God-created 
thing. And these institutions that God has allowed to be established are done so under his jurisdiction, under his authority. And Christians recognize these institutions as divinely appointed authority. In fact, whether it be family, whether it be church, whether it be state, whether it be business, in almost any new uh, New Testament book where there's practical application given for Christian living, these, these institutions are mentioned and how we are to relate to them as authoritative. Why for the Lord's sake? Because Jesus was submissive. Jesus submitted to the authority that he was under as a human. Family, church, society, government. He was he he was authority. He was he was un, he he knew the institutions and had respect for them. And we're to submit to them for the Lord's sake because that's a testimony that the world is going to be looking for from us. So that the name of Christ not be reproached. So we submit to authorities. If they say 65 is the speed limit, then I guess it isn't 70. And if the building code says you have to do this, I guess that's what you have to do. And if the taxes require this, then that's what we pay. And if the church asks this of me, then that's what I do. And if my parents uh, uh, expect a certain time that I be home, whether it may be 15 minutes earlier than my friends, that's all right. These are divinely appointed institutions and authorities. He goes on, Peter says, and he gives certain examples of relating to authority. He doesn't mention them all. But he says, whether it be to the king is supreme. <coughs> now, in Bible times, anybody who was king was considered that was a divine appointment that was that was a a godly appointed office and of course it was as supreme it says it was the top office everybody else was subordinate to the king there was no office equal or higher than the king and it was of course the the top ruler's responsibility to preserve law and order prevent lawlessness Moral and moral corruption promote that which was good and we are to respect these we are to submit to the king to the governor whoever is in charge it's interesting you read even in the Old Testament Daniel and his three friends they did not obey the law but you never see them disrespecting the authority that they were under. And it was a godless, heathen authority. Peter and the apostles, he says, we cannot obey your command, but we will respect. We Basically he said, we respect, 
who you are we respect the position you have but what you're asking us to do goes against a higher authority and they respected these office these uh, officials even if these officials were not respectable Uh, these these kind of of people did all kinds of things that that were not kind that were not respectable simply they took authority into their own hands they did but they respected the office they submitted to the office as it was given by God Another example is given as a governor who is basically un- somebody under the king. The one that's delegated to punish the evildoers and to reward <coughs> those that do well. To applaud those. Recognize those that are doing well. And recognize them with protection and defense. Punish those that are doing wrong. Why? Are we supposed to respect them? For so is the will of God. This is God's will. That by doing well, by doing what is right, you leave a testimony. You leave a witness. You leave an evangelical message. with them you just look at Daniel and his three friends their life their testimony their, their obedience to God left a very powerful message in a very heathen society very and Peter says here not only do you leave a message but you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men you muzzle you shut up people that are saying things about you saying things about God that they really don't even know what they're talking about you're causing them to stop from speaking because they don't know they have lack they they lack understanding and knowledge really the the context is given somewhat that they're doing this because of an obstinate unwillingness (coughs) because they're foolish they don't have reason they don't really have the intelligence they don't have the sense that they should have and they're saying these things in that type in that kind of a context in that kind of a setting and Peter is saying that by you submitting you're stopping their mouths from saying the nasty things that they think are right and are not right. That the charges, they're laying charges against you. It's so easy sometimes when, when, a, when we know we're right and we feel we need to defend ourselves. Sometimes the best defense we can have is to keep our mouth shut and do what's right. Say nothing. By silence, silence them. Just do what's right. 
we tend to be defensive verbally because as a retaliation to them sometimes all that we do is we just magnify the problem by being quiet by doing what is right by living submissive submissive to God respectful of authority sometimes is the best way they have nothing more to say they have nothing to say but then he goes on and he says this is a verse I, I don't get I, I do not pretend to understand all of that it's saying as free but not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness my understanding is that he's saying we don't do this because we have to we do this because we are free in Christ true freedom releases the Christian from having the view that the world has this claim on me and I've got to submit <coughs> I do this because Christ has a claim on me and to submit to this isn't a problem <coughs> it's not a problem because Christ has a higher claim on me anyway. I don't I don't I don't need to fuss about then what the other authorities ask me to submit to. I mean if it is if it isn't contrary to the will of God. It's not a problem. True, I may feel that they're asking for more taxes than necessary. I may feel that the building code that they're asking me to follow is 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 is. Well, I could use all kinds of words. Uh, just doesn't need to be that way. But you know, I belong to God. So, what's the issue? Doing all this because we have liberty. We're free. We have a godly freedom. Because I submit to God, it's really not difficult to then to submit to something that's under God. Shouldn't be. Why is it? Sometimes we don't have we we wouldn't dare squawk about what the church asked me to do. Uh, about what God asked me to do but I'll sure fuss about when the church makes a rule why submission in God's kingdom isn't a form of bondage it really isn't I choose to because I've chosen to submit to God it's my initiative. Now that doesn't mean as it says here it says here as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness it doesn't mean that I can now do as I please no that I can enjoy all indulgences no but because law is not a burden to us I'm submitted to Christ as the Lord 
And so to submit to other institutions is not that big a thing. I understand that there are even pagan thinkers of Bible times and earlier that understood this. Seneca said this, No one is free who is a slave to his own body. Cicero said, We are servants of the laws that we may be free. That we may be free. It's a bit like you're free to breathe, aren't you? I hope so. But you can't do it if there's no air. A fish is free, but only if it's in water. And so the Christian is free because he's in the will of God. That's what he was designed to be, where, and that's what he was designed to do. So we are free. Then it doesn't. Then 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 uh, these restrictions don't hinder, hamper us. Not free to do as I please, no, but free to do as I ought to do. Uh, children, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit here because we're going to go on to the next verb. The next verb in verse 17 says honor. What does it mean to honor? And here it says honor all. Now the word men in the King James Bible is written in italic so that means the original it says honor all. Everybody. Now we know we're supposed to respect older people because they're grandpas and grandmas because there's preachers and teachers and there's moms and dads yeah you you respect you you honor people that are older than you <coughs> that's not what this verse says it says honor all Now the word honor means to show dignity, to show respect, to to prefer others. All. Yep, that even means your younger brother. Or sister. In the church, that means our fellow brothers and sisters. That means that we honor, we respect even those that we may think are not as respectable. Maybe they're not very pleasant. Maybe they're not very kind. Maybe they're rude. That doesn't say that you don't respect, honor them. You still honor them. You still show respect for them. 
those that are smaller than you, those that are weaker than you, those that are younger than you, those that are more rude than you. <laughs> Honor all. You know, we tend to, now children, this is not just for children, but for everybody. We tend to measure, I will honor somebody who is honorable. Someone who acts worthy of honor, I will honor him. No, it doesn't say that. By the way, honoring somebody, respecting somebody says a lot more about the person doing the honoring than about the person getting the honor. I think I've told this story before about a young fellow who's about ready to enter a store. And, he, and there's a, uh, a lady and she's a bit of a high up modern kind of a lady and she also a female let's say she wants to enter the store as well and so he holds open the door for this this, uh, uh, this lady and she says you don't need to open the door for me uh, you don't need to treat me like a lady and the young man says but I'm a gentleman whether she was a lady or not, that wasn't the question. The question, the, the issue was he was a gentleman. It's just a lot easier if we just honor everybody that we don't need to decide whom we need to not honor. <laughs> honor all. <coughs> To all men. Why? Well, for one thing, they have been made in the image of God. They are creation. They are God created everybody. They are made in His image and they are objects of His love and His care. <coughs> and so they have worth. And so we respect them, honor them. It goes along with submitting. In fact, the word honor all is written in the Greek in such a way it says keep on. It's a continuous, a present imperative, which means continual action. You don't just do it once, well, now I'm, now I'm finished with honoring you. It's something you do continually. And really, it does show something about the Christian. The Christian is someone who understands not only authority, but the Christian also understands the dignity of humanity. We don't need to treat people subhuman. Doesn't matter what skin color they have, it doesn't matter what language they speak where they live or don't live how they act or don't act that's not the point we honor all because we understand the dignity of a human being then Peter says love the brotherhood 
So we submit, we honor, and we love. Now, up to now, Peter's been saying, basically, he's made some very blanket statements. Submit to any ordinance, whatever. And then he says, honor everybody, doesn't matter who. And then he, however, now he is zeroing in on one specific group of people. The brotherhood. The church. Those that are my brothers and sisters in faith. Those with whom we share the same heavenly father. So that is a group within the large group of people. There's to be a distinct attitude that the Christians should have to those that are fellow Christians. That doesn't mean that we can be loveless to other people. No. But he is telling us that your fellow brother or sister needs a special recognition. And that is love. That, in fact, Jesus himself said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, by love, one for another. Not only the individual brother and sister to love the individual brother and sister. Here it says, love what? The brotherhood. That is a singular noun. So you love the whole group. Not just pieces of the group. The whole group. It's a bit like you love your family. You don't just love the individual members of the family. Yes, you do. But you love the family as a group. Because we're bound together with the same goals, we are bound together with the same spiritual birth. We are bound together <coughs> with the same witness. With the same father. Love the brotherhood. Love it. Love is not something we feel. Love is something we do. I found something interesting. I've been reading an article and it comes out of a liberal Mennonite magazine. But the, the title of the article, and I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything that this, this writer is saying, but he's talking of discipleship as citizenship. And he is making the appeal correctly, I believe, that first of all we are citizens of the to be part of the church, you're part of the citizen. You're part of a heavenly citizenship, and that sh that should stand that should stand clear above any natural political citizenship that we enjoy here. And he he's talking about a letter written um, from the second century after Christ 
It's called the letter to Diognetus. And I'm not going to read everything, but he, he talks about the distinction between Christians and the rest of humanity. And this is how this writer describes the believer. They dwell in their own nations, but as resident aliens. They share all things as citizens, but they endure all things as foreigners. Every foreign country is their nation, and every nation in which they dwell is a foreign state. They pass their time upon the earth, but they have their citizenship in heaven. To put it shortly, what the soul is in the body, that's what the Christians are in the world. What the soul is in the body. That's what the Christians are in the world. That was written 18, 1900 years ago. That's how Christians act to those around us. And that's how Christians act as a cohesive group among themselves the church is basically our country the church is basically our government yes it is an exile it's in a foreign place because our citizenship is in heaven love the brotherhood love it Submit to ordinances, honor everyone, love the church. And then Peter goes on and he says, Fear God, which basically is to honor, reverence God. Hold him in high regard. It's very difficult to honor somebody if you don't reverence God. And basically, is this not true that if a person has a difficulty respecting others, there's probably something wrong with his reverence toward God. There's probably something wrong. And then, honor the king. It's ironic, not ironic, but Peter was writing this under the uh, under the leader, and he lived under the leadership of one of the vilest and most wicked of emperors, Nero. And here he says, "Honor him." That's what it's like to be a Christian in our society. So being a, a, res, a, a resident alien here, a pilgrim, a stranger, does not give me any right to be irresponsible or disrespectful in my conduct. But rather... To be submissive, to be honoring, 
and to be loving even even to those that are not standing with me standing with us where we are rather it prompts us it promotes us to be salt and light to show to the world as Peter says here numerous times live in such a way that the world will see you have something worth having that your life that your the content the, the, the heart of who you are is worthy of being noticed because it reflects Christ that is in us and I just hope that our, that our lives will continue to reflect the character of Jesus this week. Where it's suitable, let's kneel to pray.